Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. All right, Aspire listeners, you're in for a treat because I have the amazing Joe Sanfilippo with me after he just wrote a brand new book. Joe, thank you so much for coming back onto the Aspire podcast. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. I hope we can uh, hash some stuff out and talk it out and see how people like the book. We'll have to find out, huh? <laughs> I know they're going to love the book because everything you write is gold, but I'm excited because you're speaking at a conference right now. Yeah, so I'm at FETC right now and I'm speaking tomorrow all all day. T- well, not all day tomorrow. I have two sessions tomorrow, but one of them is on the new book, Lead From Where You Are, and the other one is really about kind of cashing in on those moments because the moments to movement is the uh, is the title of the session but just how can we take care of all those 30 second you know moments and what does that really look like in school and and that kind of thing so i'm looking forward to tomorrow it'd be the first time that i've really kind of taken out the new almost like the new car right like new (laughs) (laughs) take out the new set the new deck the new all the new stuff and and see if uh if people you know connect with it so we'll see how it goes well you're gonna take it for a spin tonight and then you can uh, hash it out tomorrow but um, before it. we dive into the book, Joe, if there was someone that missed the last episode, which they need to go back and, and listen to because it was phenomenal, but if they missed that and they don't know who you are, will you just kind of share a little bit about you and your leadership journey? Absolutely. So my name is Joe Sampolopo. I'm a superintendent in the Fall Creek School District, home of the Fall Creek Crickets, and I have been there for 12 years. I probably previously, uh, previous to that, I was a principal of a elementary school in a bigger school district and uh, it was a small school in a big school district and then prior to that I was a school counselor and then I taught uh, fifth grade and I taught second grade I taught kindergarten and I uh, coached uh, basketball and softball at the and golf at the high school level when I was when I was teaching so kind of made it uh, around and and try to do a couple things here and there but well, I'll tell you, when I got into administration, it was just one of those things where I thought, man, this is this is a spot. This is a spot. So uh, I've just had a wonderful experience of trying to help people best I can and try to create some value for people in their space. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, man. So let's talk about the book because you have a brand new book that just launched from my impress and the book title lead from where you are. So what's kind of the premise? And, you know, if you wouldn't mind just kind of unpacking the book and who is it for? The book is a really interesting journey, actually. So as I kind of think back, I mean, it was like the book is is it's about two things. It's essentially about the idea that anybody can lead regardless of position that you've uh, attained. Right. But the other part is that everyone has the uh, ability to create capacity to lead. And I think we need to figure out ways where we can create more capacity to lead because a lot of us are trying to do this work alone. Mm. And then when you do the work alone, it gets isolating, then it gets lonely, then it gets depressing. And then you start wondering if the work that you do has any value because you're not getting that positive feedback. And so what ends up happening with us a lot is from a leadership lens, we're in charge of taking care of the adults who are taking care of the kids, Mm. right? The question becomes, who's taking care of the adults who are taking care of the adults who are taking care of the kids? And the answer to that is no one unless we're out there actually actively seeking that out for each other. So you might be the only person in your particular school with your particular job, and that's going to get really lonely unless you build capacity to lead. Having said that, the other side of the book is the fact that you might be in charge of a department. You might be in charge of a classroom. 
And what are we doing to, to build capacity in those spaces as well? Because it's not just about leadership by title, it's leadership by action. And if we can create those opportunities, then, uh, then I think we should. So, you know, I actually signed on to do this book with, with George at I Press like three years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, it just never went anywhere. And I don't like to write. I really don't. <laughs> I just like, and the, and the reason is I keep thinking like, who's going to like, who's going to read this? I mean, seriously, like who's going to sit down and read this book, right? So yeah, I get, I kind of second guess myself. And then what ended up happening was I started doing those leadership walk to work videos, mm -hmm. right? And I started doing those about three years ago. And when I got stuck about a year, about a year ago, I got really stuck with the book. And I'm like this, maybe this just isn't what I'm going to do. I just don't know if I feel it. But I started looking back at all those walk to work videos. And I thought, well, why don't we start there? Because those are things that I truly believe in. And the walk to work videos didn't ever feel like work to me. Right. right? They weren't like, well, I got to get a blog post out by five o'clock on a Tuesday. Right. It was like <laughs> if I had something to say. I was going to say it. Yep. And if I, if, if those turned into some walks that people like that were authentic and real and honestly, things that I just screwed up that I mm -hmm. thought, man, if I put this out there, then maybe you won't screw it up like I did because now I'm still trying to backtrack. Right. right. So then that, that all of those, all of those walks turned into the book yeah. and that's all it is. It's just taking all of the, the walk to works that were the most, um, popular, the, the best received, and really diving deep into what that looks like and how we can change the, you know, just change the outlook for leaders across the country, regardless of your position. Because like I said before, you could be leading in a classroom, you could be leading a department, you could be leading a school, you could be leading a district, you could be leading an organization. The concepts are the same. Are you intentional about the work that you do? Are you making connections with the people around you? And do you lead with some direction so people have an area to go to? And there's like a rudder in terms of the of the of the way that we're going. Mm -hmm. So if we can do that for people and help them, we provide some clarity for those we serve. Yeah. So Joe, you talked about leaders becoming lonely, especially if yeah. they're kind of a singleton within a building. So I'm wondering if you ever felt like that within your own building and what did you do to kind of get out of that that feeling and and what did you do to connect with other folks i think i felt like that i felt like it all the time for the first seven years of my career because like the first time i was in i was in a big school district but a small school so sure. i was one of 10 elementary schools but i was a small school in the district and we weren't connected anyway. like there was a couple of schools in our area but i was still the only person in that office right and I was 29 years old when I started as a principal in that space. And 95% of the people that I that I was leading in that building were more veteran than I was in that space and just in, in education in general. Right. So I felt really not only did I feel lonely, but I felt inept because I didn't have the experience that other people had. And so if I was just to kind of keep pushing forward with that, like, you know what, I'm the leader. That's what it is. This is what it is. I'm leading like right here. Look on the door. Look on the door, man. It's this principle <laughs> right there. Right. If I would have done that, if I would have continued to do that, I would have continued to feel really lonely. And so it was almost out of necessity that I had to build up people around you know, me. And I think it was honestly for my own well-being as well, because I ended up, you know, in the first part of my career, I really felt like I was more of a help desk than a leader. You know, like people would come up and say, well, I need to help with this. And then I just fix it because I knew how I wanted it done. 
And so two things ended up happening there. The people that really, you know, wanted to get help and grow stopped asking for help because they knew I was just going to fix it the way I wanted to do it anytime. Sure. And the other people that didn't want to grow it all, they just wanted their stuff fixed. They were calling all the time, <laughs> right? Because they're like, well, he'll fix it. Let's just let him fix it, right? Yeah. So nothing was getting accomplished. Man, I was like an awful leader in that space because I was just trying to get things like checked off my list. And that, did, that wasn't helping anybody. So it was really important, I think, to, to figure out ways that we could grow capacity to lead. And then what ended up happening was when I when I allowed that to happen, it really started creating more conversations in the building, you know, about what leadership looked like and what the, what they wanted the building to look like. And those were two things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I would have just kept it, you know, all, you know, under under my hat. So making connections in the building obviously was important for you. Did you reach out to folks outside of your space or outside of your district also? Yeah, and I don't think I did that until I got to Fall Creek. So like it was, which was a really interesting dynamic for me because being in a bigger school district and being the smallest school in the bigger school district with literally no like veteran leadership, I mean, for myself, like I, I didn't know, like I was just, I was new there. And that was really hard for me because there was a, there was, you know, nine other elementary principals in that space, but all of us kind of functioned independently. And so when I came out to Fall Creek, it was a one building, K-12 building, and there was two other principals in the building and myself and a superintendent at the time who actually only stayed for a year until I took over for the superintendency. But it actually gave us an opportunity to not only like reach out to the people in the building, but then out of necessity, I felt like I could go somewhere else and take a look at what other, what other principals were doing because... I almost felt guilty if I went outside of the district and looked for stuff when there were nine other principals that I could have been like, well, I should, maybe I should ask them before I ask somebody else, you know? And so that ended up, and then why are you spending so much time with this person and not this person, you know, and that person's a good principal too. So why aren't you, you know I mean? So when I was the only principal, it actually gave me a little bit more license to say, all right, I just, I got to kind of, we got to figure out a way to do this, you know, on our own. And so it kind of came out of necessity that I started connecting with people outside of the building and, and trying to think about, you know, how they lead and then really just kind of putting, you know, our own spin on what that really looked like. And, and that was, a, I think that was a good, it was a good journey and I, and I liked it, but then it actually turned into like fell into the superintendency, like literally the next year and started that whole process over because at that point, now you are the only person in your area. Like you are the only superintendent and that's, that ends up being a, a whole nother conversation <laughs> that is a whole nother conversation yeah right so. <laughs> that's right that's series series two here on this uh, on the podcast man i'm telling you so let's pivot to that so you talked about helping the people that help people that help yeah. the children right, right. so i want right. to go back to how do you help yourself to be the right person to help others right like how are you filling your cup yeah. each day to be a superintendent that is able to you know grow other folks and take care of everyone, especially during time right now. Right. The biggest thing is what are you doing to put yourself in the right mindset to be helpful to people, yeah. right? Because I don't know if you're a checklist person, but I'm a checklist person. So there are two types of checklist people in the world, right? There's the checklist people that write stuff down on a list and check it off as they go along, right? And then there are checklist people like me that write stuff down on a list, check it off as I go along. But if I do something that's not on the list, I'm going to write it on the list, check it off because oh, I yeah. should be credit for that, right? <laughs> so... But if I'm always in checklist mentality, I never take a step back and realize the impact of that checklist, right? Because I'm always going and going and going, doing and doing and doing. And let's be really honest. 
the checklists that we create don't provide a lot of joy in terms of the work that we do, right? They're just things that need to get done. So if I never take a step back from the checklist, I'm always just going to the next thing. And, the, and that never ends. So I have to make sure that I put myself in the right mindset to see the great things that are happening. And we, at our school, we live by three or a model of three pieces when it comes down to this work. And that is, do we recognize the great work of our colleagues? Do we acknowledge the great work of our colleagues? And do we extend the great work of our colleagues, right? And that's a big piece of the book is to recognize, acknowledge, extend. So the first part is, are you putting yourself in the right mindset to recognize the greatness of your colleagues, right? So what are you doing? Is it meditation? Is it walking? Is it exercise? Is it you know getting your seltzer water or your coffee or your whatever to start the day, whatever puts you in the right mindset? So are you putting yourself in the right mindset to recognize the greatness around you? The second thing is, are you acknowledging to the people that you go by, that you work with? With that, that they're doing great things. So it's, it's not just about walking from your office to the, to the copy machine. It's like making sure that you recognize the greatness around you on your way to the copy machine. And so are you then acknowledging to that person that they're doing great work? So if I walk to down the hallway and I see a second grade teacher doing great things, am I going to acknowledge to that second grade teacher that you, that I saw them doing great things, mm -hmm. which is great. Okay. Now it's great, but here's where, here's where the magic comes in. Because it's not just about the acknowledgement to the person in that moment. It's what you do after that. It's when you extend it. Because if I tell the second grade teacher that they're doing great work, that's fantastic for the two people in that moment. But if I walk down the hallway to the eighth grade teacher's room and I tell the eighth grade teacher about the great things happening in second grade, what inevitably happens is the eighth grade teacher walks to the second grade classroom to tell a second grade teacher that she's doing great things. And the reason that he does it is because at some point somebody did it for him and it felt good. And we all want to be in that world where we can feel good about the work that we're doing, especially in a time where we don't get that immediate gratification for the work that we do. Think about how often you've seen kids come back to school after 15 years of being away and they come into a teacher's classroom. They say, you know, man, I really liked your class. I liked your class. And you want to say to that kid, man, you could have said something. You could have <laughs> said something. Right. Yeah, I thought you were sleeping the whole time, you know, so we don't get that immediate gratification. So we have to create that for ourselves. And I think that's a really important piece of what we do. And to be brutally honest, that's why we've had so much success in Fall Creek. It has nothing to do with Joe Sanfilippo leading the way. It has everything to do with the people in the building willing to acknowledge the great work and extend the great work. So they know and understand what's going on in the space. So it's not just isolation in your room. It's about making sure that everybody sees the great things that are happening. Because without that, you, again, you get isolated, then you get lonely, then you get depressed. Yep. And who wants to be part of that building, man? Nobody. Nobody. And what a culture shift that would be, too. Correct. Yeah. And that's I think that's the biggest thing. When I got to Fall Creek, man, they, I will tell you this. <laughs> I sat in that chair and I sat in that interview with those people. And I asked them, how do you, how am I going to know after one year if I'm successful? Like, what's the criteria that's going to be used to determine whether or not I'm successful? And one of the board members, name was Kay, and she raised her hand and I called out and she said, there's a lot of really great things happening here, hmm. but nobody knows about them. And I said, Kay, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not the best superintendent you're ever going to hire, but I am the loudest person on earth. If there are great things happening around this place, I can promise you that everybody's going to hear about what those things are. And of all the things that we've done in Fall Creek, Wisconsin, I that is the one thing that I I think even people that don't like me in in whatever I'm doing 
that's the one thing that they would say to anybody would say, yeah, well, people know about Fall Creek and he's really super loud, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that would happen. So, and, and I take a ton of pride in that because it was just really an opportunity to amplify the greatness that was happening in these classrooms. I mean, our teachers are just crushing it. And a lot of teachers across the country are doing the same thing. But I'll tell you, like, there are special, special people in Fall Creek, Wisconsin that I just always do right by kids. And I am so lucky to be able to shout about them every day. I love what you said, Joe, because, you know, folks aren't being amplified every single day. And there's so much amazing things going on in classrooms, especially now. Like, the job is extremely tough, as you know. Our teachers are, are working more than they ever have. And there's not a whole lot of recognition. So if if a building leader or district leader is listening to this podcast and they're looking for ways to amplify their folks, what are some things that you've done that, you know, the people within your district have really appreciated? Right. Well, the first thing is you make sure you tell them no matter what. Like, I think that I think a lot of us just assume that they're doing great work and we don't ever get the chance to sit down and talk to them. And, and you know, I mean, you can do like there are the the, the like the really, you know, uh, intentional things like making sure that you write two notes to start your day just in terms of recognition. And that's a really big deal because it puts you in the right mindset for me, puts me in the right mindset to see the great things because I know I'm going to write those notes the next day. I mean, there's, a you know, anytime that you connect a staff member, the work that the staff member is doing to where they go home to every night is a big deal and i think here's the thing here's the thing about that the idea that we have to keep in mind is that there are people in our buildings right now that don't know that they're doing a great job at what they're doing right they like like we i can tell them until i'm blue in the face but they still don't believe it and then they go home to a place that people love them right they love them but they don't know what they do right they don't know what they do at all so now if you're there and you're still not feeling any value and you're coming to school and you're not feeling any value you're walking between two places where you wonder where your worth is. So if you can connect those two places with a call, with a text, with, you know, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of um, teachers who have kids in school. I mean, just walking past them in the cafeteria, say, Hey, I saw your mom teaching this lesson, man. And it was phenomenal. She did this with these kids. And then these kids did this. It was so cool, man. Make sure you make, make sure you say something to her tonight on the drive home. Right. That changes the conversation. So I think that's a big deal in terms of how we, operate is just to make sure that those connections are made and you know you want to do tangible things too like calls and texts and all that stuff but at the same time it's really about are you authentic in every conversation to create value for the people that you serve this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there you can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast now let's get back to the episode well i think it's a good segue to what you're talking about tomorrow's I forget the title, Joe, I apologize, but it had something to do with the 30 second connection. So I, I would love to know kind of what, you, what you're going to be speaking about. So the thing about the session tomorrow is it's really about how do we create these uh, moments that turn into movements, right? So there are 960 30 second opportunities in an eight hour day. Okay. So what are we doing? I'm not telling you that you got to take like 958 of them and be really intentional. But what if you take two? Right. What if you take two 30 second opportunities and figure out what that really looks like? You know, we spend so much time celebrating the prom and the graduation and the homecoming and the, you know, all the awards and the scholarships and all of that stuff. But the best stories happen 
at 8.37 on a Tuesday morning as kids are walking between classes. They happen at 2.45 when kids are getting ready to go and they tell you a story that's just crazy. They happen when I walked into a kindergarten class and, uh, and, a, and a little kid looks up at me and tells me that it's okay that I'm bald because his grandma's kind of bald too. Like that's <laughs> the kind of stuff that we talk about. That's the kind of stuff that brings out all this stuff. So I would tell you like the, the idea, and it was one of these walks that I did months ago where I just said, you know, I was, um, I was on the playground one day and I'm walking down the playground and I was having a really bad day. Like, I mean, a really like our, our school district was being sued. We were dealing with an HR issue. Like it was, we were on CNN.com. We were on the Washington post. It was like, it was not a good day. Right. Like, but I'm on the playground and I'm my head's down and I'm kind of walking through and this little kindergarten kid just looked over at me and he goes, San Filippo, look up, watch me. And the kid just started running and he <laughs> fell on the ground and he started doing little somersaults. And then he got up and he looked at me like just to make sure that I was watching. And then he ran away and I never saw the kid again for the rest <laughs> of the recess. He just took off. Right. But in that second, I forgot about all of the other stuff. Now I remembered it when I walked back to my office and that's like, that happens. But for them, for that, for that moment, I forgot about all the garbage that was, that was going on. And I got back to what it was really about, which was a kid just telling him me to watch him. That was all he wanted, right? That's all he wanted. So if we can really dive in on what those moments look like and feel like, and we can act on those, there's a better chance for us to get past some of the garbage that we have to deal with. You know, we have this whole, this whole mentality of there's so much mess that happens in school districts, right? But if the only thing that we see is the mess every day when we walk to school, then we don't get a chance to pull back from the mess. And if we always see in the mess, we start to wonder if the work that we're doing has any value. And if you can pull back from the mess, right, where all that mess is, that's where all the tough stuff is. That's where all the long conversations are. That's where all the long nights, early mornings, that's where all that stuff is. But that's where all the great stuff is, too. And until we figure out a way to tease out the great things that happen in the mess, the mess is the only thing that we see. And then we, get, we have a problem, right? So the moments to movement mentality is really about really concentrating on a couple of moments that happen throughout the course of the day that can not only build your own you know, uh, mentality in terms of what it looks like, but it also gives you a chance to amplify that of the work that's happening in your building. Well, now I'm bummed. I'm missing your session tomorrow, man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Are you going to be at TCA? Are you going to TCA? I won't. I, oh, I'm bummed. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm bummed because it's one. in my backyard. But and yeah, I, yeah, I know your yeah, buddy really. uh, Tom Murray is going to be there too. You're not my buddy. I don't know who that person is. I've never even heard of that person. Whatever. He's at my he's campus. Like, he told me. He doesn't. He doesn't even. He doesn't even work in school, Josh. Like I don't even like. He doesn't. I, he said something about being in a school. I'm like, what, you dropping a kid off? Like, I, I don't even know who you are anymore. He doesn't work in schools. He doesn't know what it looks like in school. What's that all about? We had some food. He wandered in. It was it was kind of awkward. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's always kind of awkward when that guy's around. I don't understand that guy. I'm just kidding. I love him dearly. And yes. so, yeah, he'll be, he'll be around. Too. So, I'll get, actually, I'll see him tomorrow. He's, he's presenting here tomorrow, too. So, Tom's uh, but, uh, yeah, he's a good dude. Real good dude. So, I'm, 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 and I'm real proud of him. I'm real proud of him. He's a fantastic guy. Yes, he is. Let's talk about your one-minute walk to work because you, you've mentioned a couple times here. I love watching them. They're pretty short, but there's always a great message similar to the story that you just told. Where did that even come from? Like, I know it's an inspiration to many, but uh, I'm just wondering where you got the idea to just start recording yourself in the frozen tundra of Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't know man it's a, it's a really good question like i started walking to school on saturdays because at, at, i think at this point you 
probably anybody listening probably realized that I'm super loud. Like, and I'm kind of <laughs> out there. Right? Crickets, right. So, right. Right. So on Saturday morning, like my family's trying to sleep and then here I am just kind of bouncing around the house. So I just, started walking to school because I live across the street from school so I was walking to school and sometimes I was doing work and sometimes I wasn't doing work I mean I wasn't working every Saturday but I was at least in a space where they could get their sleep and when they woke up they called me and I'd come home and whatever so but I started thinking you know if I'm as I'm walking to school I started just kind of thinking about leadership stuff and those turned into like just a, a quick little hey have you thought about this kind of thing and and then I, as somewhere along the, the way they got really popular and i couldn't figure out why, but people started to like them. And I'm like, well, here's what we're going to do with the walks. The first thing is I'm never going to do one just to do it, right? Like it's always going to be, I don't care if there's like five weeks in between or two weeks in between or a week in between. I don't care. It's just going to be real. It's always going to be real. And 90% of those walks are things that I've screwed up that I thought, man, if somebody, if I would have known this before I went in and actually, you know, was in the situation, I would have been a better leader across the board. Yeah. So it's it was really just about taking things that I had screwed up and saying, okay, don't do this. Figure out a better way to do it, and you're gonna be you're gonna feel like a better leader in that process. So that's that's kind of where they came from, and I, I really have enjoyed doing them. And honestly, without the walks, there would be no book yeah. at all. So it's uh, it's you know the book was really uh, like a, it's just a, a compilation of those stories and just diving deeper into those stories. And it always comes back to the additional pieces. It always comes back to intention, connection, and direction. So if you can always lead with intention, lead with connecting people and lead with, you know, some sort of direction in terms of the way that, that uh, your organization needs to go, then you're going to feel like a better leader across the board. Yeah. What a great reflection practice too, for yourself to yeah. kind of flush those ideas out. Yeah. You know what the other piece of it was that I try to tell superintendents, I tell, you know, and I think there's that whole mentality first, like, oh, well, there he is on camera again. There he is on camera again. Look at him. He's out there being himself and doing camera stuff all the time. Here's the thing that people don't understand about that. It's 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 part, partly to get this stuff out there, but it's also to feel comfortable in those spots because mm -hmm. all of us as leaders will be in a situation where you'll have to get in front of a group of people or in front of a camera and explain something that's really not that great. Again, you want to talk about CNN, you want to talk about Washington Post, you want to talk about the lawsuit. If when I get in front of a camera on something like that and the and the narrative that people have from that point is he doesn't feel comfortable, he looks nervous, something, something must be up, right. right? Or the narrative is he's real confident in that spot. Like he knows exactly what he's talking about. And I think you have to do that by just giving yourself some reps on that to be really honest and yeah. when we first started doing these walks nobody was watching these things you know nobody watched them there'd be again maybe 50 100 people would watch the things and it's like i tell people with podcasts if they start podcasting they're like well i don't have an intro and i don't have an exit and i don't have the cover art and i don't have this nobody cares at first because nobody's listening yeah nobody's listening it's true so give yourself some uh, an opportunity to build your craft man that's an important piece of what we do. I always tell people start at episode 100 because I sound terrible yeah. before that. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I feel the same way. I feel like, you know what? There's like, the I look at it the first couple of those walks and I'm like, oh, that's awful. That's just disgusting. <laughs> and, but you know what? It has given... You know, it has given us a chance and, and I'm and I'm very intentional about this. It has given us a chance to really amplify the messages that happen in Fall Creek. So if you were if you watch those walk to works from start to finish, 
there are six fall creek drops from the time i push play to the time i say go crickets there's six of them i walk i say i walk past my my um, license plate that says go crickets on it i always say fall creek wisconsin i walk past a sign on my door that says fall creek i walk past a sign on my girl on my fence that says fall creek there's a door that i could go in but if i walk around one more corner there's one more fall creek sign that you see in there and then i always end by saying go crickets that's six in a minute and a half right and there's 80 of these things out there so when when you have a cadence like that Mm -hmm. and people are like oh here he comes he's gonna say go crickets like i mean like he's gonna say we're all in this thing together and then he's gonna say go crickets like that though that's intentional in terms of what we do it's all intentional because of the the fact that i no matter what we do I always want to make sure that people know and understand I live in Fall Creek, Wisconsin, and I love everything about living in Fall Creek, Wisconsin. These people are amazing. These teachers are incredible and their voice needs to be heard across the board. And if I'm the loud one that gets with the work that they're doing, our teachers are just crushing it. And people from across the country are asking them about what they're doing and what their PD model looks like and talking about their passion projects and everything that goes along with it. And if I can just be the conduit to get those voices to people across the country, man, I'm going to do that every day of my life. What is one thing, maybe two that they can do tomorrow or next week to help build their leadership skills? The first thing is be so good at your job that you can't be ignored. That's a big deal. When, when you can't be ignored because you're so good at the current position that you hold, what ends up happening with aspiring leaders is that they start looking at what that aspiration looks like in terms of position and not leadership, right? So they think, well, I could lead at this place or this position or whatever. And then the work that they're currently doing gets pushed off to the side because they're looking to see what they could aspire to be in terms of position. You have to be so good at your job and that you can't be ignored. And people will find you if you are so good at your job, right? Like whatever it is that you do, if it's working in the office, if it's working in a classroom, if it's working in an apartment, whatever it is, you control how you how good you are in that moment. And then that's when people start to notice you. People ask me all the time, like, well, how do you get to do these speaking things? How do you go out and get a chance to? And I, and I just tell them, like, I've been doing this the speaking stuff for like nine years right now. And honestly, the message hasn't changed a ton in that time. It's really about how do we take care of people in that moment? But when it comes down to it, I just tried to get really good and and really focused at a certain, at a couple of things. Now you don't have to be, you don't have to like know everything, but be really good at what you do. So you can't be ignored. The second thing is that too many of us try to do this work alone. So when you start thinking about how you lead, to do an audit of how you lead and things that you've done that went really well and things that you've done that have gone really poorly. And a lot of times when you look at things that you've done that have gone really well or really poorly, you're going to find the conduit or the, the, the commonality in those two things is how many people did you bring along the way with you when it came to whatever it is that you were doing? The things that you did that you brought people along with and you didn't feel like you were alone probably went better than the things that you went alone with and you looked behind you and there's nobody there. So who are you bringing along? Everybody's got talent. How do we figure out what that talent looks like in terms of building momentum? For our listeners who are looking not to be alone and want to connect with you on social media, how may they do that? 
Well, you can follow me on find me on Twitter, and it's Joe underscore Sanfilippo, S-A-N-F-E-L-I-P-P-O. You can go there. You can go to jsanfilippo.com. All the stuff is up there if you want to get the book or you want to just connect with me. You know, I mean, if you go to the contact, you're going to find my phone number. You can call me. You can text me. It's right there. So I don't say that as like, you know, just like an um, umbrella statement. If you text me, you're going to get a text back. Like when I do those walk to work videos and I say at the end, we're all in this thing together. That doesn't mean we're all in this thing together when it's convenient to be all in this thing together, right? The stuff is out there. If you want to call me, you want to text me, you're going to get a response. That's awesome. So definitely check out Joe on social media, on his website, and then also his book, Lead From Where You Are. I'll have the link in the show notes. So make sure you're clicking on it purchasing that awesome book. Joe, you're doing so many phenomenal things and it is a true honor to speak with you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast this evening. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time, Josh. Have a great night, everybody. Go Crickets!